0: Welcome to Pursuit Church Podcast, where we give those far from God the opportunity to pursue Christ. We are so glad you are here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe God has a word for you through today's message. Welcome, everyone, to Pursuit. We're so happy to see everyone this morning. Before you're seated, I want to read from the book of Exodus, chapter 8 this morning, starting with verse 1 to verse 10. Exodus chapter 8, starting with verse 1. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. So the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house and into your bedroom, on your bed, into the houses of your servants, on your people, into your ovens and into your kneading bowls. And the frogs shall come upon you, on your people and all your servants. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers and over the ponds and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt. The frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt and the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying when I shall intercede for you, for your servants and for your people, to destroy the frogs from you and your houses, that they may remain in the river only. So he said, Tomorrow. So he said, tomorrow. This morning, I simply want to speak on that one word, tomorrow. You may be seated this morning. At exactly 8.02 a.m. on May the 8th, 1902, almost 30,000 people died instantly in one of history's worst natural disasters. The immediate cause of their deaths was the violent uh, volcanic eruption of Mount Pelée on the French colonial island of Martinique. The volcano launched millions of tons of rock and boiling lava in a terrible blast of superheated air. The indirect cause of their deaths, though, was due to ignorance and greed and local politics. The volcano had first begun misbehaving a full week before the final disaster with warnings of what what was to come and various degrees of a gigantic rock and a mudslide and uh, that had killed several people before that. But despite these very obvious warning signs from this gigantic volcano, Nobody in the town's leadership had made any effort in evacuating the people in the town, which the volcano had ended up destroying. Now, when I think of this story, I think of just one word. That word is procrastination. We know the word procrastination, it's become quite a popular word in our world today, and the words procrastinate and procrastination began appearing in English in the mid-16th century. The promise of another day is the key to the word's origin, it derives from the Latin verb procrastinare, combining the prefix pro, meaning forward, with crastinus, meaning of tomorrow, hence moving something forward from one day until the next. Alcoholics Anonymous founder Bill Wilson once wrote that procrastination is really sloth in five syllables. A sermon in the year 1553 spoke of dire consequences for he that doth prolong or procrastinate the confession of sins. While another sermon in the year 1582 titled, The Foolishness of Men, warned, take heed therefore and don't procrastinate repentance. So I think it's safe to say some things can wait, but some cannot. Our text this morning gives us this great example of procrastination, and in this story with Moses and Pharaoh, we see the danger of delay. The context of our text revolves around the ten plagues that were sent upon the nation of Egypt, and the passage we've read this morning concerns the second of these plagues, that is, the plague of frogs. And this plague of frogs was designed to show Egypt that Jehovah alone was God. But in the midst of this scene sits a man who the Bible calls Pharaoh. He's the ruler of Egypt. And it's his actions during this plague of frogs that interest me. Here is a man who... Could have been delivered from the plague, yet he asks for one more night with the frogs. He with the procrastinator. And this morning I, I, I want to speak on the danger of waiting until tomorrow. Now, as you could imagine, this from the scripture, we've read that the plague of frogs was horrendous. Not only did these frogs cover an entire nation and they swarmed over every inch of land but these frogs were entering the homes and the bedrooms and the cooking areas areas and the bible says the ovens and the kneading bowls and so frogs were everywhere everywhere you looked there were frogs and not only was it a disaster but it was this terribly disgusting disaster as there were frogs climbing and jumping upon everything. It was certainly not an environment that you would want to be in. It was a plague, a a, a plague of frogs. And if that wasn't bad enough, frogs in those days and in the nation of Egypt were considered to be sacred. You didn't kill frogs. And so that meant that, that they wouldn't kill them, that they wouldn't harm the frogs. And so as bad as it was and as bad as the people living in Egypt wanted to get rid of the plague of frogs, they were everywhere, but they wouldn't do anything about it. And there wasn't anyone that wasn't affected by the frogs. There wasn't a a single person beyond the reach of a frog. Everywhere you ran, there were frogs. They simply could not get rid of all these millions of frogs. See, this disaster, this plague of frogs is in a way a picture of another plague that affects all people. See, these frogs are like sin, and sin touches everything, and sin touches every life. Nobody is beyond the reach of sin's influence and sin's destruction, and like those frogs, sin is uncontrollable, and it'll try to invade your home, and it'll it'll try to invade your space, and it's a plague sin is a plague and and sin is destructive and sin will afflict you and sin will hurt you and and sin will cause a hard life and somebody said that that sin will take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you're willing to pay sin is dangerous sin is destructive and and no sin goes unnoticed in God's eyes no sin is overlooked by the all sing all-knowing God. There's a story of a man in Haiti who wanted to sell his house for $2,000. Another man wanted to buy it, but he could only pay half. That is $1,000. After some negotiation, the homeowner agreed to sell the home for $1,000. As long as he was allowed to retain ownership, of one single nail just over the front door after several years the original owner wanted to buy back the house but the new owner refused to sell it so the original owner went out and he found the carcass of a dead dog and he hung that dog over the front door on the single nail that he still owned on the house It wasn't long until the house became unlivable and the new owner and his family had to move out because of the carcass of that dead dog. See, sin brings the same sort of corruption into a life. It is a constant downward spiral into destruction and perversion and increasing levels of sin and darkness and confusion. Clearly, sin is ungodly. It separates the sinner from God. If there's anything that can separate a soul from God, it's this thing called sin. Sin will keep you away from God. It's like what the the prophet Isaiah said. He said, but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. Sin is like those frogs. Constantly, the frogs wanted to invade. Continually, the frogs overran the city and the streets and the homes and the bedrooms and everywhere you looked, there were frogs. But oddly enough, it was their belief that the frogs weren't too bad. The frogs were okay. If the frogs wanted to be in the house, they could come into the house. If the frogs wanted to occupy every inch of their living space, then they could come in and occupy their living space. They didn't care. They didn't have much of a desire to be free from the frogs. Can I say something? There becomes a problem, a great problem, when we don't desire to be free from sin. Things that should shock us don't shock us. Things that should disturb us no longer disturb us. Things that we used to not let into our homes, we now let into our homes. Things we used to turn away from, we no longer turn away from but we've become comfortable with the frogs. We've allowed the frogs to occupy our living space. We go to sleep with the frogs. We wake up with the frogs. We no longer see the frogs as a problem, but instead we start enjoying the company of the frogs. We tolerate the frogs. It's dangerous to get used to the frogs. There's a problem when we're okay with the plague of frogs. And we've spent so t- so much time with, with the frogs and, and we've grown so comfortable with the frogs that we've gotten to a place where we no longer want to clean our homes of the frogs. We no longer think the frogs are dirty and, and we no longer think the frogs are a plague, but, but we've befriended the frogs and, and we're okay with the frogs and, and we don't think the frogs are an issue. But may I say this morning, if the Bible says it's sin, it's sin. If the Bible says turn away from it, we ought to turn away from it. If the Bible calls it a plague, it's a plague. Somehow, some of them grew accustomed to the plague. How can someone get comfortable with a plague? Well, people do it every day. They partake in what's actually killing them. They enjoy what's actually defeating them. They've invited a plague into their life and what is actually leading them to death, they've become comfortable with. And and like Pharaoh, they said, give me one more day, just one more day with the frogs. Don't take the frogs away from me. I've gotten comfortable with the frogs. I like the frogs. I, I enjoy the frogs. Scripture says Moses went to Pharaoh and said, tell me, tell me when you want me to pray for you and and we'll get together, we'll pray for you, we'll pray for your officials, we'll pray for your people, and then you and your homes everywhere, they'll be rid of the frogs, there'll be no more frogs. Pharaoh replied, do it tomorrow. What is it about tomorrow? Why why do people always say tomorrow? Tomorrow. Why hold off until tomorrow? What can be done right now? If you want the frogs to be gone so bad, Pharaoh, then then why wait until tomorrow? We've all showed up today. We can pray right now. We can get rid of the frogs today. Why wait? Why the delay? Of course, to get help, one would have to admit his own helplessness. They would have to lay down their pride. They would have to surrender. They would would have to call out and say, I need help. I need saving. I I can't do this on my own. I'm going to need somebody to reach down. I'm going to need somebody to help me. Is that why we delay? We don't want to be seen as weak and frail. We don't want to be seen as not having it all together. We don't want to be seen as needing a savior. Is that why we delay? Is that why we hold on so tightly to the back of the chair that's in front of us instead of running to the altar and and seeking after God's forgiveness? Maybe we say it's just another service. It's just a little service with a few people. It's just another altar call. It's just another sermon. I, I can put it off. There'll be another one. Pharaoh said, tomorrow, we'll we'll do it tomorrow. We'll pray tomorrow. We we can call on the Lord tomorrow. We'll we'll clean the house tomorrow. We'll, We'll start all of it tomorrow. And Pharaoh decided to put off until tomorrow that which should have been done right then. It's dangerous to put something off until tomorrow. And when somebody like Moses goes up to you, when a preacher goes up to you, when when a man or a woman who's being used by God speaks to you and says, "Today is the day of salvation. Today God's door of mercy is open. Today God is reaching for you." When there's somebody that wants to pray for you, or or somebody that that's been touching God all week have come to you and said, "Let's pray," or or they've come with a message saying, "Today is the day." Get right today find his mercy today it's dangerous to put it off it's dangerous to ignore it it's dangerous to say we'll do it tomorrow see the whole story pictures the lost sinner most lost people actually do want a relationship with God it gnaws at their soul their sin bothers them and They know they need to prepare for the day when they will leave this world. They know that they will die one day. They have a a strong feeling that there probably is a heaven and a hell. However, before they come to the Lord, they must confess their sins. They must repent and, and put their faith and their hope in Christ. And as a result, they delay their coming to God and And they make up various excuses. Some typical excuses are, well, I love my sin. Or I'm a good person. I follow the rules. Or I'm too evil. I'm too bad. I've gone too far. God could never save somebody like me. Or there's too much to give up. Or there's too many hypocrites in the church. Why should I join them? Or I just don't understand the gospel. I, I just don't get it. Or I can hold out. I can't hold out. It's too much work. It would be impossible. Or I'll wait until I get my life together and I fix some things and I'm ready to come to the altar. Or some say, well, I've got plenty of time. I can do it tomorrow. It can wait. I heard an old story about a king one time, and he had this court jester who entertained him. A jester is like a joker. It's like somebody that's always joking around, that's always clowning around. And one day the king said to the court jester, oh, court jester, you're the biggest fool I know. And he handed him his royal scepter. He said, court jester, you're the biggest fool I know. Keep that scepter until you find a bigger fool. For years, the court jester kept the royal scepter. Then the days came when the king knew he was going to die. And as he found himself upon his deathbed, he called for his court jester to come in. And he said, oh, court jester, I'm going on a long journey, never again to return. Speaking about death. The court jester said, oh, sir, what preparations have you made for the long journey? The king shook his head and said, alas, I've made no preparations. In that moment, the jester extended the king his scepter back. He said, here, sir, you're a bigger fool than I. I've joked about things in this life, but you've you've procrastinated about things in the next life. You are a bigger fool. Don't we understand that after this life, we will enter a new life? And isn't it obvious then that this life is a preparation for that life? If we only spend 80 years in this life and, and we spend eternity in that life, isn't that life what's most important? Isn't that life what we should be concerned about? Isn't that life what we should be preparing for? Isn't it worth laying down our pride for that life? Isn't it worth running to the altar for that life? Isn't it worth laying down some things for that life? Isn't it worth being faithful for that life? Isn't it worth serving God for that life? For what is life on earth? It is only but 80 years. And 80 years is compared to nothing in eternity, for eternity will go on forever. And so it's all about that life. But Pharaoh said, Tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll worry about it tomorrow. It can wait until tomorrow. Can something such as eternity really wait until tomorrow? See, I'm almost done. But this message is relevant to us today because we're living in the last days. We are expecting the coming of Christ. He who put this all together will soon wrap things up. And this message I'm preaching today will continue to be relevant until the end. But when the end comes and the books are opened, and we appear before the judgment seat of Christ, then this message that I am preaching today will no longer be relevant. Nothing in this message will help anybody. Nothing in my message will benefit anybody. You can throw the message away. You can toss this sermon in the trash, for the time will be over, and the door of mercy will be closed. But today, the message is relevant. And God is speaking to somebody today. Today is the day of salvation. Today the door of mercy is open. Today God is still forgiving. Today church the blood is still cleansing. Today the altar is still open. Today the hand of God is still reaching. God is telling you today. Don't put off until tomorrow. What can be done today. Don't don't wait, don't delay. Christ is calling you today. Why don't we all stand this morning? What have you been putting off that God has put on your heart? Is it something you need to stop doing? Is it something that God has been convicting you of, but you've become comfortable with? You've become comfortable with the frogs. You've you've tolerated what God is saying is actually defeating you. Lay it down, God is saying, while the door of mercy is open. While God is still reaching, lay it down. Or maybe it's something you need to start doing, church. Maybe God has been calling you deeper, but you've been ignoring the call. The call to intercessory prayer, the the call to, to, to fasting, the call to be faithful, the call to be on fire. It's the last days. Christ is coming. Start today, church. Start today. Repent today. Seek his mercy today. Find him today. Today is the door of salvation. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. For more information about Pursuit, visit PursuitChurchAR.com. Thank you for listening and see you next week.